0: The reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took mary home as his wife but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name jesus this is the word of the lord
1: be to God. father we thank you for your word we pray that you'd speak to us now very clearly Teach us new things, even though the story is so familiar. And Lord, draw us, each one of us, really close to you as we prepare for the celebration of your coming as a baby. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I would guess that each one of us um, at Christmas has all sorts of things going on, some of which would have been mentioned in that little reading earlier. And we will all have memories of past Christmases, some brilliant, some sad, and especially sad when we remember those who won't be with us this year who used to make Christmas what it was for us. But what of today's Bible passage? Well, Tom, on Wednesday at Communion, used it and spoke of it. So he's probably a bit worried now. Uh, He probably would be worried anyway. Uh, I'm actually not going to say much at all that, Uh, is in line with what Tom's message was on Wednesday but it's the same story the same word of God it's just looking at it in a slightly different way what the passage today reminds us of is of one of the more shadowy but most vital figures in the birth and the life of Jesus his earthly father the carpenter Joseph just to go off tack a little bit there is a point to this in the 1940s onwards, I remember old black-and-white films, uh, especially westerns with people like John Wayne and then you had people like Kurt Douglas and Clint Eastwood later on, playing the indestructible hero. Any women in the movie would have secondary roles. They'd be motherly figures or they would be the romantic interest, providing a bit of decoration. And they'd be provided by a star actress or two. These female actors would have fewer lines to read, less time on screen, and a subsidiary role to play. The male hero was really what mattered. Even star-name actresses probably earned far less than their top-of-the-bill male co-stars. Babies and children were rarely seen or heard, unless they had strong American accents or a Shirley Temple. <laughs> the Christmas story is the very opposite of, of all that. Uh, in our Nativity plays and in Luke's Gospel, it is the baby Jesus and his lovely mother Mary who are the centre of our attention. Joseph is the token male, and he does tend to receive far less attention. After what we look at today, we find he's always linked with Mary. It's Joseph and Mary. But, of course, his obedience was just as important as Mary's. It was Mary who was with Jesus right up to the end and his cruel death at Calvary. It was she who almost certainly gave Luke all the detail we can read in Luke's Gospel about the birth of Jesus Today's reading from Matthew reminds us that Joseph really should not be a shadowy figure because, like Mary, he was very important to God's plans, as we shall see. So one thing to say about this reading and the whole of Matthew's Gospel, which we're going to be looking at in the new year, is that it actually doesn't tell us about the birth of Jesus. In fact, I think this is true, Only Luke's gospel does that. Instead, what Matthew does is explain, from verse 18, how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. He tells us where Jesus came from. He tells the story through the eyes of Joseph, rather than perhaps Mary. And it was Joseph who was to become his earthly adoptive father. Now, Mary, as we all know, was expecting this special child through the Holy Spirit. But there's a huge problem here, perhaps bigger than we sometimes realise. She was pledged to be married to Joseph. We read in verse 18. That meant she was betrothed, that formerly she belonged to Joseph, but not yet in full marriage. For a betrothed woman at that time, within a year of her full marriage... To become pregnant by another man or in this case nobody knew apart from mary through the holy spirit to become pregnant was actually quite disastrous her offense as it would have been seen in jewish society was punishable by stoning it was that bad that all was set up as we see in the book of deuteronomy chapter 22 So Mary, we sometimes don't quite realise this, was in a very dangerous position. And everything really depended on how Joseph behaved. And we learn in verse 19 that because Joseph was a righteous man, he did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He comes over as a really loving, caring although perhaps he was thinking very much like down, um, betrothed person to this woman who perhaps was no longer going to be his wife. But of course, that was not God's plan. He had chosen Joseph just as much as he had chosen Mary to fulfill his great intervention in world history, to bring salvation to sinners like us. And it was Mary and Joseph who together were going to form Jesus as a loving family as he grew up. When people talk of the Annunciation, uh, the bringing of a message by angels, they are usually referring to the angel Gabriel's announcement to the highly favoured Mary, that she would give birth to a son. She was told by Gabriel that the baby was to be called Jesus, and would be great, and called the Son of the Most High, and his kingdom would never end. That's in Luke chapter 1. Now, such angelic announcements, direct from God, with God's message, uh, had been experienced in the Old Testament before by key people such as Abraham. In today's reading, we have a parallel special message to Mary's. Her husband-to-be Joseph receives his in a dream. And I'm just going to read out those key uh, verses from verse 20. But after he had considered this, that's Joseph thinking of divorce, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So all this was in a dream, but clearly a very uh, focused and memorable dream, very important to the history of the world. The angel emphasizes, doesn't actually name this angel, but the angel that came to Joseph in a dream emphasizes that Joseph is a descendant of the great king, David. And of course, relevant to all of us, uh, and of David's grandma, Ruth, the book of Ruth we went through a few months back. Whilst Joseph is a low-key character in the Gospels, an angel of the Lord appeared to him twice more So he was pretty special. You know, the angels weren't coming again and again to the same people, but they did to Joseph. So this, again, unnamed angel came twice more. Firstly, to tell Joseph to take Mary and her baby to Egypt in order to escape from Herod's murderous search for the baby who he thought might threaten his throne. The second message from an angel to Joseph, again in a dream, was to tell him after King Herod's death it was now safe for this refugee family to return to Israel. Just one thing to say, and it must be said, Joseph responded absolutely in line with the message in each of his three dreams. He did what the angel told him, a direct message from God. So why is there all this emphasis in Matthew, we don't get it elsewhere, on ancestors and on names? Well, partly it's because his gospel was particularly aimed at the Jewish people. Uh, And I'll just go through some of the detail of that now. We're actually going to look very much at two of Jesus' names. Uh, His first name, his Christian name, as we would say, and also what the people were going to call him when they realised who he was. In the genealogy that kicks off Matthew's gospel, and in today's eight verses, Matthew is reinforcing the great truth that through Jesus, sorry, through Joseph, Jesus would be a descendant of King David, in a sense, part of a royal line. David being the greatest of all the kings of uh, Judah. So everything that was going on in Joseph's life, as well as Mary's, was actually going to fulfill Old Testament prophecies about the coming king. Verse 22 refers to this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So there we have the the first of the names that we're going to look at in a moment, that Jesus was going to be called by they. Now, who's the the way that they they were? They must have been um, believers, people who knew who Jesus was. Um, But it's a bit of a vague word uh, in the actual reading. We'll come back to that in a moment. This uh, quote from Isaiah, from uh, Isaiah 7 is the first of 47 quotations that Matthew takes from the Old Testament. Of all the Gospels, this is the one that links the Old Testament and the New. Most of these quotes relate to the coming Messiah who would save his people. And in this Gospel, Matthew speaks directly 12 times of Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled in Jesus he is proclaiming the good news that the promised Messiah has come, and he is Jesus Christ. It has been said uh, that these links in the Old and New Testament, so central to Matthew's gospel, provide a powerful testimony to the divine origin of scripture and its accuracy, even in small details. The final thing I just want to mention is is a bit more about the words and what they might mean for us today. The names that are given to Jesus. What's in a name? Well, quite a lot, actually, in this case. We need today, I think, to ponder the meaning for us of two special names that were going to be attached to this precious baby boy. The first one is Emmanuel, which was mentioned in twenty three. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I found out about a a theologian of the 18th century who I'd never heard of before. He was a Wesleyan. And as we're going to mention John Wesley in a minute, and we've already had a lovely Charles Wesley hymn, it's probably quite appropriate. But this Wesleyan theologian, Adam Clark, probably overlapped with John Wesley as they lived at the same time, a bit younger And this is what he said about God with us. I think it's brilliant, though it's perhaps a bit old-fashioned. This is what God with us means for us today, as well as it did for the people in Jesus' time. In what sense, Adam Clark says, is Christ God with us? Jesus is called Emmanuel, or God with us, in his incarnation, God united to our nature, God with man, God in man, God with us by his continual protection, God with us by the influence of his Holy Spirit in the Holy Sacrament, and we're having communion shortly, in the preaching of his word, in private prayer, and God with us through every action of our life that we begin, continue, and end in his name, He is God with us to comfort, enlighten, protect, and defend us in every time of temptation and trial. In the hour of death, in the day of judgment, and God with us and in us, and we with him and in him to all eternity It's way beyond just a baby being born and God having sent his son down in that way. For each one of us, it can and is meant to mean all these things because they are God's will that we would know his presence with us through the Holy Spirit throughout our lives. I mentioned John Wesley. I just wanted to quote the words he said on his deathbed in 1791, the great evangelical preacher of the 18th century. These were his final words. The best of all is God with us. So he clearly had grasped something of the wonder of Emmanuel, God with us. The second name, just to look at as we head towards the end, is the given name Jesus. It was actually quite a common name in his time. The Roman Jewish historian Josephus mentions 12 different men with this name in his writings. But what does it mean and why is it so appropriate for this special son of God, God with us? Well, it's because it is the essence of God's plan. Jesus means the salvation of Yahweh. It means that through him, is salvation from God the Father. Jesus Christ came as a baby, but he was also the promised earthly Messiah who would deal with the world's sin and rebellion. Notice in verse 21 that Jesus will save from their sins all those who belong to him, his people, those who have trusted in him, you and me. This work that Jesus was born to accomplish is summarised by the commentator David Gusak, who I do sometimes quote, but I think this is brilliant. So if you just listen carefully to this, it sums up what this salvation of Yahweh means. This description of the work of Jesus reminds us that Jesus meets us in our sin as we are. But his purpose is to save us from our sins. He saves us first from the penalty of sin, then from the power of sin, and finally from the presence of sin. That's why Mary and Joseph were told to call their son, Jesus, the salvation of Yahweh. How are we to respond? Well, I think we could try and emulate Mary and Joseph rather more because what strikes me about each of them, almost equally really, is that they had utter humility. They trusted. When God gave them a message, they believed and they acted on it obediently. Whenever God made calls on their lives, they came up trumps. They did exactly what he wanted them to do. And very few of us, I suspect, could honestly say we're just like that. We need to be more like them, yes. But I think we also need to look just quickly at three um, bits of Scripture from the New Testament which say more, because Jesus had other names, but more about the name of Jesus. First one is from Acts. This is Peter, the first great sermon. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord... Will be saved. He is the source of salvation. We simply have to call upon Him. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That's in Acts 4. And finally, from Philippians, St. Paul. And being found in appearance as a man, <coughs> excuse me, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father all of this coming as a baby the names they're all god intervening as history to sort us out to rescue us and that's why the names of jesus are so important he is the source of salvation he is the one who will save us from our sin and he will keep on coming through his holy spirit during our lives and he will come again fully at a time yet to be determined he is the son of god who comes who came who comes and will keep on coming let's just be still for a moment and respond in the quiet thank you lord jesus that your name means so much thank you that like mary and joseph you were obedient and you were obedient even to death on a cross and we thank you lord that you are there for us still and that through your spirit we can know you close to us throughout our lives we praise you we thank you in your precious name amen <clears throat> now we well being well